Hello and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, your host for this hairdressing conversation. My guest for this edition of Respectfully is Gareth Williams. He's a colourist who has earned his place as a respected name in consumer and trade circles. He has more than 100,000 followers on Instagram and a fantastic role as global ambassador for Moroccan oil. We'll be joined by Renee Myberg, the editor of the Colour World brand, who looks after the social media and the event. We will be talking all things social with Gareth. Hello and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast Studio. Hello Gareth. Hello Renee. Hello. Hello. Nice to see your smiley faces. <laughs> Are you ready for a chat? Yes, always. Absolutely. Good, good. So, hot topic for all of us. We're going to talk about social media, we're going to talk about colour work on social media in particular. But Gareth, start off in your words, just uh, for our listeners, where are you in the industry now? What's, what's your kind of working week or, or shaped like? Cool. So I would definitely market myself as a consumer colourist. So everything that I do and create is designed to bring clients into the salon. So if I'm working behind the chair, I'm based in Soho. So I'm creating consumer friendly, gorgeous colouring. And then um, intermixed with that, I also have my global role with Moroccan Oil as their global colour ambassador. So that can involve going to different countries globally, doing shows, seminars, doing masterclasses. So the week itself can be spread over quite, several yeah, countries. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so there's no typical week? Not really at the moment, no. So it's um, really good fun, yeah. but sometimes you do have to kind of centre and be like, where am I? <laughs> where am I? What am I doing? But essentially you do still have a client base that you look after. Absolutely. So very much sort of in touch with that. So we see you, Renee, you and I see Gareth on his social media, on yes. Instagram in particular. Yeah, very, very strong, yeah. strong following. Thank yeah, you. definitely. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely a go-to one. And I think, um, so the big question is, you know, social media, we're kind of having a bit of a love-hate relationship. And there mm. are some people who just totally love it and won't see anything wrong with it. There's some of us who are a bit sort of like nervous about it. But where did your social media where are you on a scale of one to ten are you a ten a ten i'm in it's great how could we ever do without it what's your sort of well i mean i have to be really grateful to social media it keeps my column full uh it brings in the clients that i want to be working with and it also lands me job opportunities that i really really want to do so for me i feel very positive towards it i think the key thing is to not just get too bogged down and overthinking what it is I mean social media should be a bit of fun ideally it should be a great business tool right and it should be a way of expressing yourself so that you can kind of connect with other people within the industry and also connect with the clients that you know you want to be doing that you want to be seeing in your chair right so did you learn from following a particular person or people or did you was it trial and error for you was it did you sit down with a clean sheet paper go right this is my this is what my profile is going to be how did you approach it do you know so to begin with it was actually really difficult for me because I felt like I kind of understood what social media was about so I was putting up really lovely images on Instagram you know creating that kind of client inspiration Um, but actually 
my following was not growing, but the feedback that I was getting from people was, I love your social, I love your social. So I was like, actually, it's not really getting me the results that I want. So I was kind of putting out um, content that I thought that's what people want to see. Yeah. But actually, it's probably my version of what I want people to see. Right. So it's very different. And I think that's probably one of the things that where sometimes pay, people may go wrong with that is because they want to show that particular um, image of their work. But actually, that might not be the value in someone else, you know? Right. It might not be the thing that they really connect with. So I had to kind of... I kept looking, I researched, you know, people who I really admired their work and felt like we had a similar kind of ethos to hair. And it was really important that I didn't kind of replicate that because right. they're yeah. already doing what they're doing and they're doing that really, really well. So I kind of understood for me that actually to, um, do you know what? find your niche and I really really hate saying that because people go find your niche find your niche but for me that was really difficult because I wanted to be good at everything yeah you yeah. know and it almost felt like a bit defeatist going you know what actually I do that better you yeah. know and kind of giving yourself an appraisal and thinking actually what what do I do what do I do really well yeah and then kind of focusing more towards that because you know you see on people's profiles I'm a blonde specialist I'm a balayage specialist I'm a vivid color specialist you know there's so many specialists it's like yeah, going yeah. to Brick Lane <laughs> yeah. where every curry house has won yeah, best curry house yes. you know and <laughs> I kind of just thought well actually if everyone is the specialist and the best that doesn't differentiate anyone from anything yeah. so I immediately kind of threw that out of my biog and um, really kind of started to think about actually what did I want to get from my career what did I want to get from my working day yeah. you know and that was many things it wasn't just about money it was about enjoyment fulfillment feeling proud my self-esteem all of those things and then I thought well actually how can I kind of use that to connect with an audience and um teach them some of the things that I'd kind of picked up along the way by making various mistakes and just by the knowledge I'd gained throughout my time in the industry yeah, yeah. Did you find the followers kind of followed with that? So I really worked a lot on my socials through lockdown and I started to play around with different things and to see what worked. And it was funny because almost like the people who know you best would kind of give you a certain type of feedback. Mm. But I kind of felt like I wanted someone not to flatter me. Mm. Um, I didn't want someone to particularly try to make me feel good about it. I wanted someone to say like, look, what are you doing? What is your point? What is you, what are you trying to connect with? And really kind of find that kind of key message within that. Mm. Um, and I think after we came back after lockdown, I really kind of focused on finding the best light in the salon. What were the best ways to kind of dress the hair to kind of show lovely imagery and actually it was after lockdown after I'd done all those blimmin dance routines and pointing <laughs> at the captions and you know which people said they loved but I just kind of look back in a bit of a cringe state with that now but hey I'm a bigger person for it dancing's not any better I've grown so much so yeah I kind of think then after that I kind of had learned that actually I really loved doing my kind of lived in colour and 
finding ways to kind of dress the hair, the correct lighting, the best poses. So actually the kind of image that I was putting out was more aesthetically pleasing. And actually then I think I was creating kind of true inspiration. Yeah. Uh, in particular at this point for clients. Um, but actually I learned a lot along the way. I didn't know who I was talking to. I didn't know... You know, sometimes I was talking to clients, sometimes I was talking to hairdressers. So it was really important to kind of pick a lane yeah. so that my language and the way I was describing things could either be a little bit more technical um, or it was that consumer language that our guests really love and understand. So I think yeah. that's when I started seeing that initial growth. Yeah. And then, of course, the explosion of reels. Mm -hmm. um, Made a difference. So Renee, you spend a lot of your time on the on the socials for yes. Colour World. Do you see? Do you notice people having difficulty deciding what they're what, who they're, who they're targeting? Definitely, I think it's I think it is it is tough, and I think it's one of the most important parts to starting a social and trying to start growing your social is figuring out who your audience is. Yeah. You know, even as a, you know running Colour World. It's figuring out, okay, who am I speaking to? You've got to always remind yourself, okay, I'm speaking to yeah. hairdressers. I'm not speaking to the consumer, I'm speaking to the hairdresser. Yeah. And I can imagine that, I assume, you've now figured out who your audience is. There's probably a bit of drips and drabs here and there, but figuring out exactly who it is and so uh, who is yeah. your audience now. Have you, have you worked it out? Well, actually, I got um, some really great advice from Carrie Fitz at Kit Studios. And she said, imagine the person you're talking to and talk to the same person and keep directing your content at that one person. And I'm really lucky I work with some pretty fabulous apprentices and the kind of questions that apprentices would ask, I'd be like, that's a really good, that's a really good idea for a bit of content because yeah. you're not gonna be the only person who doesn't know that. Mm. So I really simplified things and I remember seeing one of these um, viral videos and it was somebody doing a towel wrap um, on a client yeah. and you know that is so basic it's yeah. one of the first things that you learn when you're either a Saturday helper or what have you and this video just got so many views so many likes and that's not complicated yeah and for me that was like right Let's stop trying to make yourself look really good. Yeah. So everyone says, wow, you're really good. You do really complicated work. Let's just simplify things yeah. and break each part of the process down. You know, so for me now, when I'm kind of creating my content, I could get probably about 14 pieces of content from one client. And that can vary from anything being super technical yeah. to something being you know, super easy in my, in my thought process. But then my version of what super easy is, is someone else's eureka moment yeah. and thinking, wow, I never thought to do that. Yeah. And sometimes it's those really obvious things that, you know, you can't see the wood through the trees, but that's when the ping moment happens. And yeah. then that's when your content goes viral. Do you follow the sort of techie side of social media? I do because, you know, sometimes... Uh, it is a bit addictive socials and especially that kind of serotonin that goes on with it mm -hmm. you know you get lots of likes you feel super good about something and I always think it's like that difficult second album yeah. you know <laughs> that like pop stars have and so you think right that was a hit the next one's really going to be a hit and then it flops yeah and you think like 
wow, that was my difficult second album. That's yeah. literally how I think about it. So I'm like, right, back to the recording studio yeah. and let's kind of reset things. Let's not get too carried away with the hype and kind of bring it back to those kind of key points and key messages. There are obviously things that kind of affect it. I think, you know, we get really bogged down in what's the algorithm doing now. Mm. Um, but I kind of think that's almost that's almost kind of complicating things. I think if it's really good content and it's got something that's going to give value to somebody else, I think that will always do really well. Mm. Sometimes it's luck because, mm. you know, you happen to post your content at the right time. Um, you picked the correct trending audio that's just mm. about to blow up. Um, so sometimes those things do come into play, but I definitely do pay attention to kind of length of videos, you know, kind of what's kind of uh, key in the algorithm at the moment and try to kind of curate my content so it hits those points. Mm. Um, the way like I edit, you know, kind of stick into like a, almost like a three second rule. So it yeah. really keeps things. And I didn't actually realize this, you know, if you watch a lot of films and things, they tend to kind of stick to like a three second rule where the frame then changes. And mm. I was like, wow, I'd never even known that, but you know, so I kind yeah, of tried to stick to that. Yeah, there's a sort of formula. You could, there is like a plan. Yeah. So just interesting, um, coming back to something you said there. So you, one piece of film and you might get 14 Con bits of content out of it is that how you do it do you say right today's a filming day do you work with somebody else does somebody do the filming for you so I will do planned content creation day uh, mm. content creation days uh, which actually is what I'll be doing after today yeah. so um, I'll always have a checklist of things that I would like to capture but sometimes I kind of like let it go a little bit organic I think at the moment there seems to be a favorism of um, authentic content and I mean kind of truly authentic yeah uh so getting those like organic salon moments that I guess um hairstylists can really resonate with um and almost not showing that kind of perfectionism that we've right. become so used to on Instagram so kind of showing ah you know what like this actually this section didn't go quite to plan or i had to redo this so i needed to add more product there so kind of doing those sorts of things like i think keeps it a little bit more realistic um but often i will have like a checklist of things but i also pay attention with my apprentices to the type of things that they're currently asking so then if i have an idea i just pop a little um, note in my phone to make sure that actually that's a good question to kind of cover right. for a wider audience. So that's kind of how I um, purpose it as such. Okay. So you'll do the filming, do the filming today. One, so it'll be like a colour process that you'll film or have somebody filming for you. And then do you, is it you, do you sit down and do the editing yourself? Do you sit yeah. down with the whole thing and go, right, I'll take this bit for this bit and that? Absolutely, because I know... I know what the point of it is and I like to have complete control over that. I think when, you know, sometimes when things are like overly edited, um, it looks too polished, it looks too clinical and I kind of want to still keep like, I kind of film my content so it's as if the viewer is me right. and they're kind of doing it so that they're seeing what I'm seeing at that time and then breaking that down, explaining the why to everything at the same time. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I would um, go about that.
and then that's planned and scheduled and would you do that once a month how do you organize your it really depends on my um wider schedule but um i do try to do one or two content creation days a month um but i also capture a lot of content from my clients so it's real kind of um client situations it's you know to do with the trends that our clients are kind of bringing in um and also kind of keeps that really you know this is for like real people mm -hmm. it's not for like an instagram model version of that so i get a lot of content whilst i'm actually behind the chair as well so um to be honest that's kind of my most favored content at the moment really i found when i've worked with um i used to work with a lot of influencers um, who are great because you know they obviously have their following as well but sometimes I used to find that actually it, the content would do well for them on their page because it's obviously about them but then kind of on my page it just I don't know people just weren't connecting with it as much as say when I was doing a regular client or um, just someone yeah. who's booked an appointment you know mm -hmm. I suppose Instagram's really moved especially Instagram and TikTok as well it's moved to that relatability you know everyone wants yeah. to just relate to your content um, have you found that same sort of thing? It's just um, you're wanting people are wanting to find and relate to you, relate to the person who sat in the chair, and totally. I think I think people want to see real people mm. and not like a triple filtered version of that because you know it's. I think it then loses its messaging. Instagram's gone through loads of different phases and yeah. like obviously now I mean I remember just adding so many filters contrasting <laughs> yeah. this doing Swipe that for Paris. Yeah. Swipe for Paris. <laughs> <laughs> loved Paris <laughs> Paris and Oslo I can take uh, so you know that's that's been really um interesting but then you know clients who also look different as well you know different shapes, different sizes, different ethnicities, different hair colours, all of those things. And I think people really warm to seeing seeing that because, you know, there's all very well saying, hey, look at me, I'm an expert in my field and this is how I do it. But if you've got such a controlled, you know, if you know what's coming in, you know what you're doing, you know, that's not a real salon situation. Whereas, you know, you could have a client come in and they've got more bands than Glastonbury in their yeah. hair. And, yeah. you know, you're having like, how do I tackle this? How do I break this down? And then that's really interesting because that then opens up the conversation mm. where someone goes, oh, I really like the finished result, but maybe I would have done this or, yeah. you know, so it really opens up. And then of course, the more people you have engaging with your content, the more likely it is to be pushed in the further algorithms. So I think that that is for me at the moment, my kind of key success. Yeah. And do you, um, are there any sort of tricks or tips in who in how you tag things people or hashtags or times for posting have you have you sort of explored that side of things yeah so i for me it works actually following um going into your insights and looking where your followers are um my followers are mainly based in the uk the us and iran so um <laughs> which is great interesting it's yeah and you know when you go down into um like your top cities and you can kind of see actually whereabouts are my followers in the world and what kind of what would they be doing at that kind of time mm -hmm. um so i kind of stick to around uh the uk 6 p.m and um i will sometimes check sporadically throughout the day 
to see, if you go onto your Instagram stories and go to the option to go live, seeing how many of your followers are online at that moment. Because actually, if you kind of notice it's an unusually higher amount, you might be able to post a piece of content at a time of day where Instagram isn't being flooded with content. Right. And therefore, your like followers um, are able to engage with it because obviously you've got the proof that they're on live. Uh, and that perhaps may give you um, some more success to that. Um, which is a really, yeah, which is kind of like a, a cool way to um, also grow, you know? Yeah, yeah. And are you faithful to Instagram? We were having a conversation yesterday, I think, Renee, you and I, about editing film. Mm, yes. That Instagram now wants you to edit within the, in app, yeah. in the app rather than doing it in another editing situation yeah i mean that's so funny that instagram would say that because actually if you try to edit in instagram before it was so tricky you know you needed like to be in nasa or something like that to, <laughs> to manage that so you know other apps were simple so um although i was just actually editing content on my way here and i did that i was doing that all within the instagram app and it definitely has improved. Mm. So I think, I mean, at the end of the day, Instagram wants you on Instagram. So Instagram will favour you doing everything on Instagram. Yeah. They've got the shop now, haven't they? You yes. Can't, can't even buy stuff out of Instagram <laughs> you anymore. Can't, you can't get away from them. <laughs> and also, I think that's kind of adding to like the slight fatigue with social media. Because, you know, like I follow a lot of people who say like the best ways to use Instagram. And it's constantly like Instagram wants you posting two stories at breakfast, two at lunch, two at dinner. Then they want you going live. They want you doing this. They want you doing that. And then I'm like, wow, this is overwhelming by anybody's standards you know yeah. so I kind of think like right these people who are saying that their content's being pushed because Instagram is probably really liking the fact that they're <laughs> saying this is how you do Instagram yeah and so it's almost I don't know creating this bubble as yeah. such I do think if you if you can kind of stick to a schedule where you think I can post realistically four times a week or three times a week and you maintain that I think that's a really good place to start with it because if you kind of look beyond Instagram you've got so many other forms of social media your TikToks your YouTube Reels LinkedIn and you know you kind of go through all of those we'd never be able to do our jobs yeah. because yeah. actually if you were kind of using the apps in the way that they want you to use the apps it's like well we'll be at home yeah, yeah exactly yeah we won't be doing anything to post no exactly it'll just be all these um you know yeah reused content so it's consistency key though whatever whatever you decide to do keep doing it i i definitely think consistency uh is the key and so that's why i think go with go with a plan that you know you can fulfill mm. and if that's posting once a week then post you know, on a Sunday evening, once a week, your followers will become used to that. And, you know, that's great. Obviously, come, you know, obviously going for more content is the more you post, the more chances you have to grow, the more chances that you have to go viral. So, you know, if you don't post, it's going to be hard to, to do that. Um, I always try to manage, like, I, I still want to have a life. Yeah. So... Um, what I tend to do is I, if I'm 
kind of creating like a carousel post, I would schedule that for a time when I know I'm going to be really busy. So I would kind of maybe do that at the weekend where I don't really want to think about doing socials and stuff like that. Um, Whereas, you know, maybe during the week where I'm in work mode, then I would kind of focus on kind of creating and posting content whilst I'm kind of live on the app. But I would say kind of try to work between um, an amount of times that you can honestly post per week and try and keep that at like a similar time. And then after a certain period, go back through and see what has worked, see what kind of has engaged the most and analyze it and sometimes show it to people who aren't hairdressers and be like, why do you think this did well and see what they say? And that can kind of help um, make it a bit more clearer for you. Yeah, yeah. But TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, you know, YouTube... Do you yeah. explore any of those or do you do you think that hairdressing is still currently very focused on their Instagram? So, you know, it's like when Facebook was huge. No one could imagine not ever using Facebook. Now we couldn't imagine not ever using Instagram. So I don't think, I think to kind of solely focus on that would be a mistake. Yeah. Um, I do have a present, presence on TikTok. But for me, I think with TikTok... You don't necessarily have to have a large following to go viral. So it seems a little bit more um, easier to go viral on TikTok. I think TikTok yeah. is also um, a little bit more aggressive, maybe, is the right way to say that. Um, also, I think at the moment, a really big opportunity is in YouTube Reels because um, I think there's not a lot of people there doing that. I mean, I've posted some videos on that that's had like 50,000 views and I've got like 19 followers on there. So, you know, there's a really good, um, there's a good opportunity there. So, but I, then again, it's like, you have to be realistic of your time. If you're posting content on Instagram, then maybe you can repurpose that for YouTube Reels or for TikTok because you've already created it. Um, So I definitely would say, you know, there are other things available. Yeah. And if you're kind of feeling frustrated, say, with Instagram, then maybe give one of those a go and kind of see what your growth is like on that. And also see where where your clients are coming from. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's it's really about sort of putting it out there, but then going and looking and seeing how it's done and, and where your views have come from or not, or, um, you know, not just to sort of do it and then walk away, like, yeah. on to the next thing, I suppose. What about the actual content then and, and creativity? You uh, do a lot of reels where you're explaining, sharing, sort of educating. Yeah. So it's not really, you know, this is me at a party, this is me with my dog, this is yeah. me. So that's, how do you choose to be creative? Have you decided, right, I'm not going to put my personal self out there and yet what you put out is personal because it's what you're doing and it's you yeah. doing a voiceover. Do you know what I mean? So you, it is very personal, but not in a, you know... Yeah, this is me, me. <laughs> I wish it was me, me, me. Um, <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's a really great question because actually my social media really isn't about me. It is about um, the knowledge that I have learned and how I... Um, how that can maybe empower and enable other hairdressers. So um, I don't really think anyone is that interested with me, sort of if I'm on holiday or if I'm at a dinner or a party or what have you. Um, But I think it's making sure 
I like to kind of do that on my stories a little bit so you know that it doesn't seem so clinical that people don't know the face behind the page yeah, sure. and I kind of to be honest actually for me if um, my highest story views are normally when I kind of post something a little bit more personal yeah. um, you know because I think people are like, oh that's what you look like or yeah. you know that's how you talk or that's how you walk or what have you so I kind of filter that for my stories more so and then normally intermix that then with um, my kind of professional content to boost those views yeah. or get people engaging with that yeah and trends trends in color are they useful do they exist um we've been kind of debating yeah, this, is it we? hard to keep on top of trends yeah yeah i mean <laughs> Lots of you know there. is that yeah so question <laughs> yeah. one let's see and mad like not answer any of them <laughs> um so i think trends are still super important within our industry because i think that's a really great way that our clients engage with what's happening in hair and almost it gets them kind of thinking about that conversation of hair. Do trends really exist still? I mean, everything seems to be a trend now. Yeah. Um, and probably rightfully is, you know, we've got social trends, micro trends, street trends, uh, fashion yeah. trends. So I think it's, it's almost like a good way of packaging something and then reselling it back again, you know? Right. Yeah. We've got lots of things. I mean, you know, we used to call reverse balayage lowlights. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now it's, it's cooler to call that reverse balayage and yeah. clients feel like they're getting something new. Yeah. I think it's like thinking, it's a marketing ploy, isn't it really? Yeah. How, how are we getting people in? Um, and actually, if there weren't trends and people weren't thinking about change, then people wouldn't be coming into the hair salon as often, Yeah. you know? So it's a good thing. It, I think it's a really good thing. Even like the trend for blending white hair rather than covering it. Yeah. Clients still need to come in and have these huge colour transformations to be able to achieve that. So your white hair, you know, four week early appointment clients are now kind of doing these big transformations and now going for more partial techniques but they're having like a huge amount of work to get to there so I, I actually think all of that is really really positive and I think if the way that we kind of package trends is by how we sell hair to our consumer yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No. Does it drive you nuts secretly? that people come in and ask for something without really perhaps understanding what they're asking for or insist, I, I want this, you know, I don't know. Well, I think it's sometimes, you know, when like clients say, oh, I really want like a cool blonde and then they show you a picture of something that's super golden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, and I think maybe it does come with a bit of experience, you know, to go, okay, great. So is, is this your version of what a cool blonde looks for? Right. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's like, they're, I'm not going to get angry with someone because maybe they're not referencing the correct terminology. Yeah. I guess my role is to depict what they really mean and the kind of um, look that they're trying to achieve. If it's cool, if it's beige, if it's this, who really cares? No. So they've got like an image and they're showing you this is how I want my hair to look. You know, I kind of talk about this a lot on my page about when people ask for natural looking hair colour. Yeah. So we used to kind of think natural looking hair colour would be not that much. Yeah. Clients don't mean that anymore. What clients mean, they're talking about the placement. Where where would you see the lightness? Where would the depth be? Yeah. You know, where, where would the accent points be? You know, they might be a base five, but looking for 
um, a level nine color placement throughout, which then people would be like, well, that's not very natural because it's not very similar to a base five, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's really kind of learning about yeah. people and picking out what they mean. If, yeah. You know, who cares if what they're saying is right or wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, does, does yeah. that really it's matter? It's more about the way we're communicating. Yeah. You once said um, something interesting to me about using the word transformation rather than sort of colour correction or, or, you know, just the way we talk to the clients will help them to have a different view of things as well. You know, yeah. I think... You know, sometimes sometimes we can sort of speak about the hair quite negatively. I think it's always really positive, um, important to give it a positive spin. Mm. So you know, you may not you may not be able to go ice blonde from black box dye today, but actually, the really good news is we can get you to a dark brown, mm. and that's great because that puts you a huge leap forward in your journey to ice blonde. Having a sort of tantrum about well you definitely can't go ice blonde from black hair. Mm. Like, who's that going to help really? Yeah, you know, yeah. it makes, the client doesn't necessarily know because a lot of clients don't know that colour can't lift colour and, you know, you can't just remove things like that or why don't you just put this on and it will look like highlights. So I think, yeah, I think it's our job as professionals to say, like, that's great, but literally let's break it down and see where we can get you one stage mm. at a time. And speaking about it and re repurposing it back to um, a positive manner. And also really like letting your client know about each stage of the process. Mm. I did someone's hair once who wanted to go, she was uh, looking to have sort of a gray conversion, gray blend conversion. Started doing her highlights, all gray, amazing. Opened them up and they had this pink residue. So I was like, wow, that's a bit of a shock for me. But rather than just kind of keeping that quiet, I said, oh, I'm just checking your colour and for some reason there's this lifted pink. Is there anything you would have known that could have uh, contributed to that? And they're like, yeah, actually, I did put a pink wash on it X, Y, Z ago. And I'm like, that's great. It would have been great to have known that earlier, but uh, I maybe should have done a strand test. So, <laughs> but, you know, the fact that I communicated, I wasn't at the back wash thinking, oh my God, is this going to go... I see, is this going to do, you know, yeah. what am I going to do? There was no panic because I'd communicated with the client and they were like, oh yeah, no. So actually, most of the time, people are really understanding. They just need to be explained and gain that knowledge from that. Yeah. Well, it's lovely chat and shoot. Let's finish on a what's what's next for Gareth. What's your big, you know, where are you heading? What's exciting I... coming up for you oh. in the next year or two? Or so it's it's been really, really busy. I'm off to Poland on Monday doing some shows there. Then I'll be um, in Vegas later on this year, again, doing some shows and some masterclasses. And then I'll be in Vietnam, again, doing shows, seminars. Wow. And so it's going to be, it's a busy end to the year. It's already been a really busy year yeah. at the beginning, but um, I'm really excited. It's great because it takes me all around the world. I get to pick up so much from hairdressers from different cultures with different ideas different questions so yeah. it really is enabling me to constantly grow and I guess that's what I really love about my job so the traveling and the education is is interesting but do you do you see a time when you will not be salon based at all or do you think you'll always want to do that I will always be behind the chair mm -hmm. I just feel for me like when I'm educating it keeps me really kind of 
it almost strengthens my message because who I'm educating knows that I'm dealing with the same things that they are dealing with and I kind of can pick up on the trends from clients as they're coming through and then I can kind of package that into a technique that I can then go forward and educate. So like even if I scale it back and end up doing two days a month or something like that, I will always have uh, a behind the chair status um, as a part of my career for yeah. sure. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Gareth. It's lovely to see you. It was amazing. It went so quick. <laughs> I will, there will be lots of contacts in the show notes. Amazing. Lovely. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Thank you so much to Renee and Gareth. I found that really interesting and I hope you did as well. There is so much to consider when working with social media and Gareth does it seemingly to perfection. If you like what you heard, then please do jump over to iTunes, Spotify or the respectyou.me website and look at our library of hairdressing conversations gathered over recent years. You're sure to find something else to amuse, entertain and inform. Until next time, goodbye.